What lies at the center of the Slichot service is the repetition of the so-called attributes of mercy, Hashem, Hashem, El Rachum V'chanun. It's interesting, therefore, and important to see where that statement is made in the Torah, what is the context, in order to understand the nature of Srichot. The story in which that statement is embedded is the story of the golden calf. Moshe discovers when he's on the mountain and about to bring the tablets down, the Luchot, which are to be put in the temple that, the, that Israel is to build, the Mishkan, Moshe discovers in the 32nd chapter of the book of Exodus that the people have built themselves a golden calf. God is angry. God threatens to destroy Israel. At which point Moshe, in chapter 32 of the book of Exodus, Sefer Shemot, in the, first, in the 11th verse, petitions God. Moshe petitions God. Moshe argues with God. Moshe reminds God of God's promises, of God's covenantal promise that God made to the forefathers, Avram, Yitzchak, Israel. And God, and Moshe argues that these are God's people. At the end of Moshe's arguments, God relented of the evil that God had thought to do to, God, to, uh, to his people. In other words, the story of the golden calf in the version in the book of Exodus, there's a different version in the book of Devarim, but in the version of Sefer Shemot, before Moshe descends the mountain, it's clear that God has no intention of destroying Israel. Israel's survival is assured. So when Moses goes down the mountain in the 15th verse of chapter 32, Vayifen, Vayered, Moshe, Menahar, what's at stake in the story is not survival. Survival is assured. What the story is actually about is the quality of life, is the relationship between God and his people. God had intended, the Torah says, that Israel build a space, a mishkan, and God would, dw- would dwell amongst the people. And all of that is in jeopardy as Moses goes down the mountain. And even more in jeopardy, when Moses descends the mountain, when he sees the people dancing around the golden calf that Aaron made for them, Moses saw this, and Moshe gets angry, and Moshe takes the tablets, the work of God, and he breaks them under the mountain. Moses breaking the tablets, dramatic act, is of great importance because the story of the golden calf is a story within a story. The outer story is the story of the Mishkan, the command to build the Mishkan, concluding in chapter 31, and the actual building of the Mishkan in chapter 35, and in between that is the story of the golden calf. And the Mishkan is a building constructed by people, 
Pitzaleh was the chief architect. He has helper. Many gifted people help build the Mishkan, the men and the women who donate and who work on the Mishkan. They can build the whole Mishkan, but there's one thing they can't build. The tablets are the work of God. The tablets which are to be placed into the ark from which God speaks above. God continues to speak, to direct, to command. The tablets are the work of God. When Moshe breaks the tablets, he makes it impossible to build the Mishkan unless God will give us a second set of tablets. And God does not seem disposed to give us a second set of tablets. So the story of the golden calf, Moshe comes down the mountain and there's in effect a civil war and those that were the main perpetrators of the ego are destroyed and then Moshe goes back to God again and Moshe requests that God forgive the people and God says to Moshe at the end of chapter 32 and the beginning of chapter 33 God says to Moshe you can take the people up to the land that I promised I swore to give to Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov and I'm even going to send an angel to help you conquer the land. And the angel will bring you to a land of milk and honey. But I will not go with you. For you are stiff-necked. As I consume you upon the way. Chapter 33, Pasuk 3. What God says in effect is, even if I wanted to go with you, I can't go with you. Because we're going to fight, we're going to argue, and I'll destroy you. So instead of me going, says God, my angel will go, my angel will defeat your enemies, my angel will give you the land of milk and honey. Sounds like not a bad bargain. When the people heard this bad news, they mourned. And none put on his jewelry, his finery. So the people understand that this statement of God is a negative to the extent that they mourn. They realize something is missing, which is God's presence, in effect the Mishkan. There will not be a Mishkan. We can't dwell, we in God can't occupy the same space. God said to Moshe, tell the people, you're stiff-necked. If I go in your midst, even for a moment, I'll destroy you. Weave off your jewelry. And I will know what to do. It's interesting. Verse 4 says the people took off their jewelry. In verse 5 says, God says, People already took off their jewelry. How do we understand the two verses? The Ibn Ezra understood it this way. Verse 5 is, For God had already said. Some of the English translations have that as well. So then verse 4 is, in effect, following verse 5. People took off their jewelry because God said take off the jewelry. But the other translation, the other way of understanding it is no. The people took the jewelry off in verse 4. is more than just don't put on the jewelry, keep it off. If that be the case, 
And that's an interpretation I personally like. Strikes me that's a better reading. Then the decision not to put the jewelry on was the people's own decision. It was not following God's directive. And the next verse, the people by Yitnatsu stripped themselves of their jewelry from Mount Charev on. In other words, three different verbs. Vuloshatu, didn't put on, horeid, keep off or take down, and Vayitnatsu, distance yourself, remove yourself. Interesting verb Vayitnatsu because the jewelry itself was jewelry they took from Egypt. And there the Torah said that God had commanded us at Mitzrayim. In other words, despoil Egypt. In other words, the golden calf was made, the Torah emphasizes, from the jewelry of Egypt. The golden calf means spiritually you're in Egypt. You never left. So the question is, how do you leave Egypt behind? The first step was to strip themselves of the jewelry, to say this jewelry is not me. I have nothing to do with it. It's an important step in the process of reconciliation, if the reconciliation can affect take place. But God said to Moshe, keep the jewelry off and let me consider what to do. And here in the story, Moshe steps in to act as a kind of broker between God and the people. It's Moshe actually who mediates between God and the people. And how he does this is very interesting. It would appear that there are certainly at least two steps in the reconciliation. First step, Torah says, is that Moshe took his own tent and placed it outside the camp and he gave it a name, Oel Moe, the place of meeting, which in the Torah is synonymous with the Mishkan. Whoever will seek God, come to Hashem, Yetzel Oel Moed, Hashem Yichutz Lamachaneh, would go out to the Oel Moe, the tent of meeting, that was outside the camp. In other words, God said, I can't go in your midst. So Moshe says, okay, don't go in our midst, but make yourself accessible to those who seek you. And the Torah says there was some who would seek God, take the journey, the pilgrimage to go outside the camp. Then the Torah also says that when the people would see from their own place that the cloud had descended upon Moses' tent, the cloud being the presence of God, they would stand at their own doors, at their own tents, they would stand up and bow down by the door of their own tents. In other words, there were two ways of connecting to the distant God. One was to actually take the journey. Some took the journey. But others didn't take the journey to that place, but rather they tried to connect their own tents to Moses' tent. Their own tent where God is not present, but to make a connection through their looking at Moses, seeing the cloud, and bowing down at their own tents. So again, what's happening over here is Moses is trying to strengthen the connection between God and the people. God is still outside. God is still far away. But the people can access that distant God in one of two ways. That was the first step that Moshe took to bring the two parties together. But the next step, Moses made an interesting argument. Moses turns to God in the next step and says, look, you've told me that the angel goes with the people, but you speak to me all the time in my own tent. Who's going with me? And actually, says Moshe, I need you to go with me 
I need you to teach me your ways because I'm the leader of the people. Who's going with me? And God said to Moshe, I'm going with you. I'll personally go with you, Moshe. I can't go with them, but I'll go with you. I will go and direct you. And Moses says to God, in chapter 33, verse number 15, if you're not going to go, it's not worthwhile. Don't bother going up. How certainly will it be known that I have found favor in your eyes? If you go with us, then I and the people we separated from all the nations of the world. To which God says to Moshe, This also I will do. You have found favor in my eyes. This also means Moshe had made a second statement. You say you're going with me, but I go with them. I'm with them. So if you go with me, you have to go with them also. So God says, this too I will do. Not for their sake. But I'll do it for your sake. So God agrees to go with the people. Primarily, it would appear, the Torah speaks in very human terms, because God, God loves Moshe. But the question still is out there is, how is this possible? But God had said, if I go with them, and they anger me, I will destroy them. How is Moshe safeguarded against that possibility? So what's interesting is the continuation of the story. Moshe asked God to reveal God to Moshe. Hareina et kvodecha, show me your presence. God's response is, you can see my back, but you can't see the fullness of me. You can, there will be a revelation, not of the fullness of God, but of a peace of God. And this revelation of a peace of God is described in chapter 33, God said, I will be gracious to those to whom I show grace and compassionate to those whom I show compassion. In other words, God's revelation to Moshe is a revelation not of the fullness of God, which is not possible, but a revelation of aspects of God. In particular, the two aspects the Torah singles out are Chanun and Rachum. And then God, when God appears to Moshe, God reveals God to Moshe in the following way. Chapter 34, verse number 6, God cried out, These are the attributes of mercy. At which point Moses, upon hearing, learning about God's attributes, the attributes of mercy, Moshe said to God, God walk in our presence. For ki, am they are a stiff-necked people. So what does ki mean? Because that's the reason God couldn't walk in their presence. So ki can mean 
one of two things. It can mean despite the fact that, despite the fact that they are stiff-necked, walk in our presence anyway. That's one possibility for key. But the other possibility is because. You must walk in that presence because they're stiff-necked. But that was the reason God said earlier, I can't walk in your presence. But what Moshe means is, walk in our presence, travel with us, not in the fullness of God, but rather in the, in, in the limited God, the God who's limited to Rachum V'chanun. In order to reconcile the people in God, it requires concessions on all sides, including God's. The God who goes with us is the God in God's aspect of, of mercy and of kindness. Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum V'chanun. So the Slichot service, actually, is not about survival. In the Golden Calf story, survival is off the table from the very beginning. It's about living in the same space. It's about creating a space in which God can enter. The God who enters the space in the Exodus narrative is Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum V'chanun. God in that aspect. So through the Slichot service, we're appealing to that aspect of God. And we're saying, God, in that aspect, if you limit yourself, it's possible for you to join with us if we are worthy of joining with you. So the Slichot service is asking God's uh, kindnesses, which is God's limitation, but that's all contingent upon the people taking the steps they have to take, which is the searching for God and bringing God into our own spaces even prior to the building of the Michigan.